What's going on everybody? This is Ian Barr and you're joining me again here at Wise Guys Hideaway. And uh, this is number 24, y'all. So, you know, we just keep on fucking moving forward and, you know, getting slowly and slowly deeper into, you know, the, the key figures behind, you know, the American Lacosa Nostra. And today we're going to talk about one very astute one in particular, and that's going to be Meyer Lansky. Um, born Meyer uh, Shawlansky on uh, July 4th, 1902, um, Meyer would, uh, I mean, he would go on to become, I mean, I guess arguably sort of the, the boss of uh, the Jewish, you know, uh, portion of the National Crime Syndicate, the Jewish mob, if you will. And uh, he would also go on to be one of the most successful uh, gambling operations, you know overseers or uh you know pretty much you know the guy the go-to guy you know the man with the plan um yeah he i mean he's just a legend he just i mean he, he didn't he didn't you know tower very you know very tall and he was uh he was more reserved and not as prone to violence but that doesn't mean he uh that he couldn't hold his own he would eventually die from lung cancer uh on january 15th 1983 uh, he was better known to a lot of people, you know, throughout the National Crime Syndicate or throughout, you know, organized crime or, uh, you know, as far as the, the feds, you know, the politicians, any, anybody who had, you know, dealings with him. He was known uh, as the mob, the mob's accountant. That was sort of like a unofficial nickname that was given to him by, uh, I mean, pretty much <laughs> just about everybody. <clears throat> he was uh, He was born in Russia, but he would die in Miami Beach, Florida. He seemed to really enjoy the uh like the florida havana sort uh, kind of environment and weather that's where he spent uh, a nice portion of you know his life when, whenever it you know seemed possible too it seemed like he really enjoyed you know that area of the world um not that he didn't you know run rampant in new york and vegas and i mean meyer lansky's more or less the uh kind of like the backbone you know, the spinal column to the brain that was, uh, you know, Luciano's sort of envision of, you know, potentially turning, you know, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada into what it was. But it, it, it wasn't really, um, you know, Luciano and, you know, the commission obviously made the final call to set up Bugsy Siegel out in Vegas. But uh, it was Lansky who really, really sold the idea, you know, to Luciano and a lot of the other, you know, commission members. And, uh, yeah, and so, I mean, in a, in a way, he's a sort of a, a founding father of, of Las Vegas, the, the decadent and depraved Las Vegas, as Hunter S. Thompson would have said. Um, in 1967, they uh, valued his net worth at roughly $300 million, and at his death, there was an alleged $57,000 uh, that was, you know, obvious on books and left but i truthfully don't think that he you know died with fifty seven thousand dollars i don't think he died broke i think lansky is the type of guy who's probably got money stashed in all sorts of you know crevices and different places that you know he resided throughout his life 
Uh, he would, uh, he would immigrate in 1911 with his mother and his brother Jake to join their father who had immigrated here in 1909. And, uh, you know, the family settled in Lower East Side, Manhattan. And, you know, right out of the gate as a young kid, uh, Lansky became very close friends with Benjamin uh, Siegel, Bugsy Siegel. And the friendship was, you know, a lifelong, a lifelong friendship. Actually, he was quoted uh, later in his life as uh, if he'd, uh, if he'd have had his way, you know, uh, Bugsy would still be around. It was uh, a real blow to him when they, when they killed Bugsy. He, he definitely, uh, he definitely had a lot of love for, uh, for Siegel. Uh, it's during his teenage years that he encounters Luciano when Lucky Luciano attempts to extort, you know, the, the five foot five, you know, sort of short, scrawny, you know, Jewish gangster. Uh, and, you know, Lansky tells him what he can do with that, you know, pretty much, pretty much doesn't go fuck himself. And, you know, uh, I, like I've heard tale that they had a little bit of a dust up, but I don't know if they actually ever got physical with each other, or if it was just words and Luciano respected the balls on Lansky and, you know, seen something in him because Luciano was really good at, you know, sifting out individuals that he thought would, I mean, help him take what <laughs> he was eventually going to form to the next level. Uh, it's it during this time period that, you know, the the boys meet, you know, Arnold Rothstein, Arnold the Brain Rothstein, who really schools them in the ways of, like, running illegal gambling operations, bootlegging, you know, once Prohibition hit, hit it was on and popping for those guys, uh, you know, you know, uh, setting up high stakes card games, uh, you know, rigging horses. I mean, Arnold Rothstein knew the ropes and he bestowed that knowledge upon, you know, not only Luciano and Siegel, but Lansky as well. And, and the whole gambling and bookmaking side of, you know, the organized crime really kind of sunk in with Lansky. Lansky really took to that like a fish to water. And, uh, eventually in uh, May of 1929 at a, uh, hotel in Atlantic City, a meeting was, uh, a meeting was called by Luciano, uh, Johnny Torrio, Lansky, and Costello, uh, Bugsy Siegel was there as well, I do believe, uh, Vito Genovese, oh, you know, so several very high-ranking, uh, organized crime figures are up-and-comers that would soon be high-ranking organized crime figures, and they formed the, uh, National Crime Syndicate, which was, you know, all, all for one, one for all, sort of like everybody has the same common goal, which is, you know, to make money, uh, through, you know, illicit fashion. So, you know, let's, you know, keep blood to a, you know, to a, a small minimum and, you know, tr try to go about crime as honorably as a bunch of low-life gangsters can. And, uh, but I never really pegged Lansky as, you know, uh, just a run-of-the-mill low-life gangster or just a super, you know, sociopathic or uh, charismatic individual. He was just incredibly smart. Some, uh, there's some skeptics out there who say that they don't think he was actually as smart as, you know, that, that they portray him in like documentaries and different movies that have been made, you know, loosely based on his life. But I, I definitely would go out on a limb and say that, that he is because I mean, in you know, in 1936, the dude establishes gambling operations in Florida, New Orleans, Cuba. I mean, he's got, he's got gambling dens, you know, in Brooklyn. He's got, I mean, anywhere that gambling took place, uh, I'm pretty sure he, you know, he had operations in LA too, I, I do believe, but anywhere gambling could and should and would take place. And even if it, even if it wasn't the the greatest place for it, he, he would set up shop there. You know, I mean, you could probably go to some BFE town in Montana or something back in that day and fucking 
Lansky probably had some sort of gambling done there. Might just be a little, you know, rundown mom and pop, you know, cigar shop with four card tables in the basement. But I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Lansky set up in, anywhere and everywhere that, you know, gambling could be set up. But uh, Cuba and different spots in Florida, New Orleans were his real bread and butter, uh, and particularly Havana. And, uh, and, you know, he'll sort of kind of, I guess, groom himself for when in 1946, a decade, you know, a decade after we were just talking about, uh, is when Lansky really starts to push Vegas and, you know, having Bugsy go from, you know, where he's at in life and go out there and sort of plant a flag, you know, fly, you know, fly a flag. What Shegel did, um, but unfortunately got a taste of the movie star lifestyle, began to believe his own hype, and, uh, you know, it just went off the rails. Kept kept sifting more money from fellas who uh, thought that he had been given enough to build the Flamingo Casino and Hotel. And, uh, I mean, eventually, like, you know, the the luck would run out for Siegel. And on June 20th, 1947, Bugsy Siegel was killed. Um at, a, at a, a mansion in L.A. of his girlfriend at the time, uh, whose name is not settling with me, and she's a famous movie uh, movie star, so it's really going to bug me. But nonetheless, yeah, he's a famous photo of him. He, he's shot uh, twice, and one of them goes right through his eye, also sort of blowing his nose half off his face. And, uh, yeah, it's a, real, it's a real gruesome scene, you know. But uh, nonetheless, you know, Lansky and the other powers that be, Luciano and all them, did keep, you know, pushing forward with Vegas. And eventually it would be one of the most successful, you know, uh, scams, schemes, you know, rackets, whatever you want to call it, for, you know, the American Mafia. Uh, especially down the road later in the, you know, mid to late 70s and then throughout the early early 80s into the mid 80s when uh, the Chicago outfit got a hold of it. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's where the Tony Spilantro and all them come in. But, yeah, the mob's always sort of had a grip on Vegas, even today, even though it's pretty much monopolizing corp, like all corporation funded today, you can still find yourself a, a little, uh, you know, shithole casino on, you know, just, you know, somewhere way off the strip and God knows where in some dim lit parking lot that you look like you're going to get stabbed in and, I guarantee the mob's more than willing to loan you 5K to put down on the hand of roulette or blackjack. <laughs> um, Lansky, along with you know Luciano and a lot of guys during this time period, uh, would help the uh, American, you know, the American side during World War II, sort of gaining favor among certain politicians and you know things of that nature. Uh, it would be during this that you know after that Luciano's released from prison and uh, deported to Italy, where he flees from Italy to go sort of. Uh, gallivant with Lansky and Havana and is during this time period that uh the whole Havana you know sort of just uprising uh, I think it was from Benito Mussolini to Fidel Castro I think Fidel Castro was beginning his sort of revolution or whatever uh I do I think that's right or maybe it was uh, Mussolini who was starting his revolution I'm not sure it's been a long weekend. I'm very tired, so I apologize for the uh, unsureness on that, on that bit. But nonetheless, the whole Havana, the whole Havana racket um, fails and sort of becomes a, just a glimpse of a, a better time for uh, Lansky and Luciano and those guys. And eventually, Luciano is deported back to you know Italy again and would eventually die there uh, at the Naples airport. 
uh, when he was meeting up with a uh, film correspondent to talk about making a movie about his life. Um, some sort of alleged things about uh, Meyer Lansky is that he allegedly had a blackmail over J. Edgar Hoover, with uh, who was apparently in certain photos uh, being sexual with an aide by the name of Clyde Tolson. And uh, I'm not sure how factual this was, but J. Edgar Hoover really did sort of try to skis his way around uh, going after real organized crime figures. And he had the FBI chase down and, you know, gun down in a blaze of glory. People like Bonnie and Clyde and John Dillinger and Pretty Boy Floyd, Machine Gun Kelly, people like that. So, I mean, it's kinda, it's hard to say. Uh, I would assume that it's, I mean, definitely possible. You know what I mean? Politicians are fucking... I mean, I don't gotta tell you guys what politicians are. They're fucking scumbags. They're more scumbag than most of the people that I talk about on this podcast, you know? And that's some of the crazier ones included. Um, eventually, Lansky does start to face, you know, some, some controversy and uh, tries to flee in 1970 to Israel, but eventually is brought back and uh, goes through the whole judicial process, but is uh, eventually taken to trial and acquitted in 1974. After that, he sort of just, like, fades into the background. Doesn't fade. He's still, I mean, he's still got his hands into everything. But he, he more or less semi-retires until, you know, his death at 80 uh, on January 15th, 1983 in Miami Beach. And, I mean, he, if anything can be said about Lansky, it's that he outlived a lot of the guys that he came up with in the rugged, you know, bootleg era of that early organized crime when like when bodies were just flopping everywhere uh, everywhere and anywhere the costume wars and you know you're just a a jewish gangster trying to sift through you know a bunch of crazed sicilians and italians and then you got irish guys running amok as well and yeah so but lancy always always sifted through you know everybody and anybody brilliantly uh luciano had the utmost respect for him you, you know vito genovese was not a fan of him, but that would quickly be, you know, sort of put it, he'd be put in his place about that. And Genovese would, you know, abide by at least leaving Lansky alone. He might not, you know, go out of his way to, you know, do business with him, but he, uh, he definitely couldn't, couldn't harm him. Lansky was untouchable for most of, if not all of, uh, his run throughout organized crime. I don't think they ever would have actually voted to have him, taken like out out uh same with arnold uh rostein had he had it not been over like a gambling debt that he was shot and killed over during a like a 72 hour card game i don't think rostein would have ever gotten himself bumped off by the commission however you know lansky died of natural causes rostein was gunned down so apparently that was their destiny and that's how they were supposed to go um sorry this one's a little bit shorter but you know i just had to get another one out there and i figured you know, we'll uh, get Lansky out of the way because I'm going to start to, you know, move into more of the 40s and 50s eras. Uh, gangsters, I uh, got a handful more to do from like the Prohibition era because uh, that they will be mentioned, you know, all throughout different podcasts. But uh, nonetheless, uh, I hope you all are staying ha uh, healthy, happy, and, uh, you know, just, I mean, either wear the mask or don't, but can we all just shut the fuck up about it? Like, it's like, I don't, like, this is crazy. You guys, you guys are fucking... <clears throat> We're, we're all adults arguing about fucking nonsense over our phones, not even in person. And 
I don't know, Facebook and all that shit's just starting to drive me crazy, but nonetheless, only trying to send positive vibes from fucking all your people over here at Wise Guys Hideaway, you know, big shout out to the art thing guys, you know, uh, you know, Rob from Boston, Boston Rob, uh, you know, Paulie G in New York, you know, David Brexbyer in London, all the boys out there, you know, I mean, Ronnie Cockroach, Garland Bloom, you know, Scott and Bernstein, now Prophet, Ryan Leone, all you guys, uh, yeah, thanks for joining us, man, you know what, have a good week, and, uh, We'll be back at it probably next Sunday. Sunday fun day, you know what I mean? <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Have a good one.